In this series, we interview game changers from around the globe about digital ethics, online activism and social media. We get to know them, their stories and how they have harnessed one of the greatest phenomenons of our time. A little warning, most of our episodes are for adult ears only with frequent droppage of the F-bomb. I'm Roisin Bevan. And I'm Daisy Grant. And this is Harness. It was in my search for fitspiration, thinspiration on Instagram that I stumbled upon women living unapologetically, wearing amazing fashions and bikinis that I thought fat people weren't deserving of. That's who I want to be. Becky Young wants you to join her club. It's called the Anti-Diet Riot Club and everyone is welcome. They describe themselves as a rebellious, spirited community dedicated to fighting back against diet culture. They say diet culture is everywhere and it's toxic. It's waging a war against joy and it doesn't discriminate. She wants you to love your wobbles and rolls and softness and bumps and lumps. When you're next on holiday, lying on the beach in Malaga and you look down at your soft belly, she wants you to see it like an old friend, not an enemy you want to destroy. She started the club in January 2017. It's an online movement, but they also host events and meetups in the UK. At the end of the interview, Becky says they're trying to raise a certain amount of funds for their latest project, an anti-diet riot bus, which we're happy to say they did. All of the relevant links will be in the show notes. Becky came into the studio for this interview. She was such a bubbly, vivacious delight. She talks about her own journey to self-acceptance and the wider body positivity movement throughout this episode. Before we welcome Becky, we want to play a little bit of audio from a phone call we had with the lovely Nadia Craddock. Nadia is a body image research and PhD student at the Centre for Appearance Research at UWE Bristol. She very kindly stepped out of a Saturday afternoon garden party to give us a bit of insight and definitions from an academic's perspective. She did apologise for being two glasses deep by the time we phoned her, but quite frankly, if anyone's agreed to talk to us, we already assume they're under the influence of something. What's the history of diet culture in a nutshell? Diet culture really is this like oppressive belief system whereby thin is kind of seen as like the, the pinnacle of everything. So it's equated to, to value and worth and, and health and, and all things nice. And, and, and really like those kind of pervasive messages of, of weight loss being the cure for, for everything. In terms of the history, from how I understand it, diet culture is, is really like kind of this product that's come about in line with industrialization, urbanization, uh, capitalism and consumerism. And in, in industrialized nations, we're at a point where we're at a surplus in terms of like food. We can, we can get whatever we want, so then restriction becomes... Um, valuable and, and kind of become the status symbol in some ways. And what we're seeing is that from like in, industrialization, we're almost like exporting the ideals that we have here to to other countries. And we can kind of look at some of these like cross cultural studies where they there the, there is this kind of idea that we're creating like a more homogenous ideal around the world. That's really fascinating and frightening as well. Yeah, it's so easy now to look like completely distrust our bodies and distrust mm. what we what we think is right because we, we we have so many mixed messages yeah we kind of lose this like intuition on, on how we kind of engage with with food and and with our bodies mm. from an academic point of view what is at the forefront of body image 
discussions or research right now? I think the the biggest thing I feel at the moment that, that where we're having studies published all the time is on the relationship between social media and body image. It's it's so important. It's so fascinating and it's so dynamic. Um, I think we kind of looked at social media to begin with really focusing on the negative aspects of social media but then now more recently people are trying to uncover whether there are positive um, aspects of social media in terms of body image and I mean I, I personally think social media is not inherently bad for body image but there's a lot of content out there that is not conducive to making you feel good um, and there's some content out there like for example the kind of the kind of piranha type content which is a, a real big cause of, of concern. For people who don't know what proanna means or how pervasive it is, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, proanna is it stands for proanorexia, so the pro eating sort of type content. So it's inspiration to very very emaciated images or giving hints and tips at how to suppress your weight in some way. So kind of like very disordered eating patterns. So I think that's like a, a huge cause for concern. I think, but. I mean, I guess it was like, available before the emergence of social media, but I think now it's just it's it's so much more accessible than it than it was, mm. um, however many years ago. But then also, there's what, what you also have on social media is the, the kind of like the promotion of like things like the detox teas, which again is like not not good. Did you see Amber Rose's recent promotion while she was pregnant? It was horrific, and she was saying like flat tummy tea, and it was like, babe, you're pregnant. If you think of all the vulnerable people who are following them, then it's like, so is, irresponsible. Yeah. What factors, if it's not just so- social media that's influencing people's perception of uh, body image, what factors do influence one's perception of body image the most? And which demographic is affected most by these body image issues? Society, the societal ideals and messages around bodies is, is, is a huge factor in how people think. Like if, if we kind of eradicated weight stigma, if we eradicated the idea that thin is better uh, in, in some ways, to be light skin is better, is all of these kind of ideals that we have to have clear skin is better, to be able-bodied is, is better. If we kind of eradicated those ideas, people wouldn't have as many body image concerns as, as we currently do. Then we need to think wider in terms of it's, it's not just about loving your cellulite or like body roles. It's kind of like thinking about this in a, in a broader way and thinking about how society views people in large bodies and treats people in large bodies like, and people of colour and people who are disabled and, and all of these kind of things. So in terms of demographic, I think it's very um, quick and easy to think of teenage girls. And I think they, they are a high risk demographic for sure. But I it's not that we kind of graduate from body image concerns the minute we turn like 18 or 21 or, or whenever it is. And we also need to think about research really, it's focused on, like body image research is really focused on middle-class white university students. Mm. So then actually when we kind of expand from that, we kind of see that actually many people across the lifespan of different race and ethnicities, across gender identities, or all experience body image concerns so I think it's it's such a pervasive phenomenon I think girls and women may be at, at higher risk because of how society kind of pushes that on women that, that that's something that's really important to identity and and worth for women but I think it it's something that's increasingly kind of being being pushed in in all directions 
thank you so much for talking to us. We really appreciate that. You've been brilliant. Thank no you so worries. much. And thank you for letting us disturb your party. Yeah. That's okay. Well, it's not It's not my party. It's someone else's party. But you know, yeah. well, you're, you're enjoying that party <laughs> and you go and get some more wines because you, you bloody deserve it. So thank you so thank much you for so talking much. to us. Here is Becky Young. For people who haven't heard of Anti-Diet Riot Club, um, which I w- once wrote in an email to Daisy as the Anti-Riot Diet Club, which everyone is completely that. different, I imagine. Yeah. Everyone um, does that. If I gave someone my email, <laughs> Becky, at Anti-Riot Diet Club. So, um, so we diet and we don't riot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my housemate was like, I'm going to start the Anti-Riot Diet Club. And he's like, I'm just going to like not protest and get really fat and I'm like no no it's not protest and not get fat and he's like oh well, that's boring but for people who haven't heard of it and heard of you can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the club so Anti-Diet Right Club is a it's a community it's a platform and is slowly turning into more of a social enterprise in that aims to educate people about intuitive eating and the non-diet approach um, and inspire people to start embracing their bodies as they are um, and not waiting to reach a certain size or a certain weight before they start living their life, their dream life or the life that they feel like they deserve to live when they're thin and they just live it now. Officially, I announced that I was going to start running events under the name Anti Diet Right Club January of 2007, 2018. That was last year, right? Is it oh, 2019? Wow. Yeah, it is 2019. I can't believe how much it's gone up so well. I can. This is what it's about. <laughs> it's amazing. But like, that's really fucking impressive. I think we'll get onto this, but it was quite zeitgeisty at the mm. time. So I did start it alone and I hosted a lot of events at the beginning mainly by myself sometimes in collaboration with other event organizers or workshop facilitators that's amazing yeah I'm now expanding the team a little bit so last year I met this amazing woman called Harry Rose who's an um, body acceptance health coach and we teamed up to deliver lots of workshops at festivals and we work really really well together and we've become amazing friends like it was like love at first coffee Mm -hmm. um and actually our anniversary is coming up on Tuesday uh, and we are now sort of going into a bit more of a partnership together, so which is scary and exciting because I've been doing it. It's been my baby. So, mm. um, yeah, so it started last year. It's been going for about 14 months. I came up with the idea a few months before that, but officially my first event was March last year, which was with Amazing. Megan Crabb, um, yes. who, you know, was has is obviously... Like, huge following mm. um one of the biggest in the sort of body acceptance community and she's so lovely she did it you know out of faith in the project and um it was before she'd reached like a million followers or whatever but um yeah it was a great way to launch it so that's wow. how it started and what gave you the idea the idea to do events about body acceptance had probably been brewing for about six months mm. but that was off the back of my own personal journey, which was very much educating myself, reading around this topic, you know, following as many awesome people as possible because of my own personal struggles with body image. So I guess context wise, I've been, I had been dieting since I was about 13, 14. I think I went on my first Weight Watchers when I was about 13. And that was the first of a long and arduous career of dieting and losing weight and gaining weight and 
constantly feeling ashamed and guilty and like I'd failed and just seeing everyone else around me just shed the pounds and feeling like what is wrong with me why can't I be thin like everyone else or you know why do all my friends seem to be able to lose weight and I can't um obviously I was just seeing all of the thin people there were lots of non-thin people Mm. um lots of different sizes around me but I was focusing on those people and being very jealous and very comparing myself all the time and I was outwardly quite confident but I think it was a lot big internal struggle Mm. and it reached a kind of tipping point when I was traveling in Mexico with my now ex-boyfriend but I got so upset about what how I how much weight I thought I'd gained um after I saw a picture of me a year before where I was in India I had probably dysentery and um you know in India you're not drinking alcohol it's just yeah. a very different lifestyle we're, how fucked up are we that we're like yeah you know I look so good oh. yeah yeah because I was like <laughs> I look amazing yeah I've been <laughs> fucking shitting for seven days <laughs> yeah saw that photo went into this spiral as you do and it was mm. on social media it was on Facebook I was tagged in it like a year later and it just triggered all of this emotion and I was crying for days in Mexico just thinking oh god I've got to I've got to go on a diet now I'm in Mexico I'm traveling with my boyfriend and I want to enjoy my time but no planning you know my fitness regime what it was going to be all the you know I wasn't going to have any of the cheese or the tacos and the thought I think I was probably crying as much about that thought than I was about the fact that I gained weight and it was in my search for fitspiration thinspiration on Instagram that I stumbled upon women living unapologetically, you know, wearing amazing fashions and bikinis that I thought weren't, that, you know, fat people weren't deserving of, that people with, you know, big bellies weren't deserving of, and that, you know, if anything, if you did wear them, you had to hide them or be slightly ashamed, and they were just, like, living free and so loud and proud, and it it was like, that's who I want to be. That is who I want to be. I don't want to be agonizing over menus and Mm. hiding behind layers of pillows when I'm sitting down I want to be I want my my inner like dialogue with myself to match like how I see other people and um I think how people see me but we were talking about yeah we were talking about that on the way here and how easy it is to uplift someone but when it comes to yourself Mm -hmm. it's a lot longer of a journey and it Definitely. takes a long time taking your own advice is a lot harder than it is a it lot out. harder and it's like you you would never speak to your best friend the way that you speak to yourself yeah. and that's exactly how you Completely. should look yeah. at it and i also think it's interesting that you were talking about how fat people don't deserve mm. to wear certain things i think that's such an interesting way of wording it because it does seem like society sets up this kind of language that's like fat people don't deserve this and they should be punished for this it's so bizarre that like that doesn't happen for Mm. other people in the way that they look like it's it's such an interesting Mm. vocabulary looking at your 16 year old self Mm. or you know 20 year old self or whatever age you were when you're putting yourself through absolute torment would you have thought there will be a time when i'm free of this well, I guess there was always that dream that I was going to be the success story that had lost all the weight. I wouldn't have to and worry kept about it this. off. Yeah, I so yeah. I, 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 and I wouldn't have to worry about it because I'm skinny and perfect. Yeah, and now. it would be it Not would suddenly I be can, natural. Yeah. It would be second nature to you know be exercising two hours a day and to you know not be eating any white carbs and and that i love this idea of like that will just be 
I'll just be different. Yeah. I just know I'll that be I'll person. be different. Yeah, <laughs> and that suddenly my my bio, you know, my um, physiological makeup would be different. I would just be skinny, and it would be normal for me, mm. and that would it would be easy. Mm. And um, that's just the false sort of dreams that diet culture feeds you, mm. right? That skinny is the norm, and anything else is deviant. Yeah, from that, and, right? and also I had these, I had these kind of delusions that I would be like, I don't know, um, you know, my sister who went through a breakup and was really depressed and then she just lost loads of weight and it stayed off or you know that I would have some sort of like tra traumatic experience Shit, and yeah. then I would just lose loads of weight and um and then it would be off forever and I would never have to worry it's about so it. It's so funny that you say that my mum went through a really like messy divorce with my dad and she was she yeah. was so thin and she met my stepdad still now she looks back at that time when she was going through the most awful breakup with my dad mm. and sees that as like her prime. We just think everything is better when you're thin and that with thinness comes some sort of new lease of life or yeah. beauty or attractability. If you had a daughter, yeah. what, what are some practices that you might put in place that you maybe wish had been modelled for you? I guess I will never body shame myself or anyone else in front of them. So I think I grew up in a in a culture, in a time, maybe in the 90s, where commenting on other women's bodies was the norm. Mm. Um, you know, on the TV, around us, uh, this constant evaluation of other people's bodies. Obviously, recognizing beauty and, you know, complimenting people. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it it seems to always be the default, you know, oh, what a pretty dress. And I think this is goes back to basic of like, you know, we always, whenever we see young girls, we always comment on their looks, on their mm -hmm. physical appearance mm -hmm. um, first before any other part of their personality. So that's like a, a quite basic change that I would make, but it, it goes deeper than that. It's, you know, it's this kind of body shaming, body checking, you know, assessing myself and just talking negatively about my own body. If I do that in front of my child, then how can I expect them not to do that? So how did the anti-diet riot club blow up as it were? So like, mm. what was, can you tell us the specifics? Um, I didn't even tell my friends for the first couple of months. Um, I think I sort of started an Instagram page first because I thought, well, I'm going to need a platform to promote it from. And I mean, that's just sort of like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. like quite mind blowing that you've gone from in Mexico, you know, <laughs> having being re-traumatized from mm -hmm. your photos and yeah. just, you know, feeling like, fucking awful shit. to, now to then being completely I don't know but it just seems such a 180 to then be able to to do this with such bravery so I think that I've always been throwing events so my background is in event production mm -hmm. programming it was always music events putting on parties and raves and so I I'd always bringing people together creating spaces for people is a passion is your thing definitely yeah, and that, that relates into marketing and social media I'd always done work like with Facebook events and um done a lot of work around marketing I'd programmed for venues and so that was kind of my career background and when I came back from Mexico I had this whole journey while I was away I was away for seven months with my ex and I had this whole journey you know most of the time in bikinis um a lot of time like I was doing a lot of self-reflection about my values and my career and what I wanted to come back to. A lot of enjoyment, a lot of food, a lot of great, great food and experiences like being in my body. And traveling does that for me. It really like makes me feel in my body. Um, and so when I came back, I was going through a breakup. Mm -hmm. I had no job. I was trying to be freelance. I was totally like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And I looked sort of remembered 
I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go back into like running music events and it's not what I want to do. And I had this tarot card reading when I was in Guatemala, which was about your career is going to change and it's going to be more aligned with your values. You're not going to do the music thing. You're going to try and find something that's more in touch with how you feel politically and spiritually and Ooh. everything. And so I was kind of had that in the back of my mind, but I was still comparing myself to everyone else in London. I need to go and find this, like, you know, climb the career ladder. And then, and I was doing lots of part-time work and, and some interesting things, but I realized that I really wanted to, one, create a community around me that were, were into the ideals of body positivity because love my friends, but most of them don't know anything about it. Um, now they do. Uh, <laughs> and that they, they were still very much deep in diet culture and body shaming themselves and others and talking about, you know, their regimes and it was really tiring. And I wanted to find people that were sick of it and exhausted with it and felt like me. And I'd also started posting vulnerable, open, honest things on my social media. And I had such great response. People that I'd known for years, people I hadn't spoken to in ages were coming and, you know, messaging me and saying, that's really amazing. I, you know, I knew you kind of felt like that, but it's so great to hear you open up about it. And I feel the same or, you know, and when you start to feel like this is a thing that I like to talk about mm. and that people like to listen to and that I really feel like a connection, like I'm, I'm by being my raw open self, maybe that can have a butterfly effect on other people. And so when I got back, I was looking for an outlet and a community. And I thought, well, I like to put on events. I'll start, I'll put on something. And originally my first idea was I wanted to do like a kind of, um, what is the word? Summit. So like a two-day thing. Yeah. I had big plans. And then um I, like I was that. actually working. Yeah, I was actually working producing a f- conference about festivals at the time. So I think that's where it kind of come came from. And then I realized, no, 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 scale it back. I don't have any an audience or a community. I just wanna I'll do these kind of support groups. Um and you know, there'll be 30, 40 people there. And Megan's book came out, Body Posy Panda's book came out at the Christmas. I went to this amazing like visualization course with Pandora Symes who runs Rooted Living mm-hmm. um, in the January. And I'd already kind of come up with the idea of Anti-Right Club. The name was like a game changer because I love the name. It's a fucking brilliant name. Yeah, yeah. That, and that, I think the name does really help. And then, yeah, and then I was like, right, I'm gonna ask Megan. And a hundred people came to the first event and it sold Shit. out. So is, think, it, yeah. is it your, full-time thing now no I actually work now in social media which is not something that I had ever thought that I would do since we've started entering into more of the business side of social media we've been quite confronted with I suppose the amount of people who contacted us to sell us followers to Mm. build up a profile in an inauthentic way and let me tell you it's tempting Uh, but we were quite like taken aback, I suppose. Yeah. You must see all the good, bad, and ugly yeah. sides of social media every day. And I was yeah. going to say as well the fact that you've chosen, you chose Instagram as yeah. your platform for mm. anti diet, where often that can be seen as a vapid platform. Yeah. And it could have maybe been what was triggering for you yeah. when you were, mm-hmm. for example, in Mexico and you mm-hmm. saw these photos of yourself. What do you think is important about having a platform on Instagram? Social media, like you were saying, all social media, especially Instagram, has been such a tool as well as having this quite dark side um, in terms of not only how much time it takes up, but, you know, the kind of content that I see on there, 
probably feeds a kind of focus on aestheticism mm-hmm. that I would prefer not to have. Mm. Um, and, but it's been also incredibly, I mean, it's been the basis of the popularity of Anti-Riot Club, how I've managed to get people to my events. You know, it's a promotional platform and, you know, you guys got in touch with me. I've been able to do some amazing things through Instagram specifically. It is the most powerful social media platform right now and, um, you know, the amount of money brands spend collaborating with people who have massive followings. And um, I think choosing to use Instagram was, for me, like a... um, Basically, it, natural... it, was an, it was an obvious choice. Yeah, exactly. Um, that because I'd found the the body positive community, or at Via least the Instagram. iteration yeah. that mm-hmm. it is now, I'd found it through Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'd actually found a lot of ideas about fat ex- fat activism and body acceptance when I was reading for my thesis when I was like eighteen, but it did not sink in. So or twenty really, but in its current iteration, I definitely discovered it through Instagram. It's. Um, I think the visual the visual elements of it is really powerful because that's what you know mm. our brains respond to most effectively. Some of the other conversations we've been having and and really learning from is people have been pointing out to us that you know social media is just a reflection of what's going on in society. So to blame the medium mm. is sort of pulling the wool over your eyes. In it's terms easy of to blame the medium as opposed to tackling. The societal problem, which oh I feel God, like you yes. do with your workshops and your events that you host, and that's yeah. the best way to turn your kind of online activism into real Reality. life yeah. practice. Yeah. And, and we are yeah. definitely the whole point of, of, I guess, having these conversations mm. is highlighting how the online world can be part of the solution, yeah. and not to hide away from yeah. from the negative elements. But I, I suppose on that, do you? How do you keep a balance? So obviously, Anti-Right was always trying to be like an in real life space because I was speaking casually to lots of people on Instagram and Twitter and and I wanted to meet them. I wanted to learn from people face to face. I wanted the kind of support groups that we had through Weight Watchers, mm. but without the diet aspect. You know, it, this is that I that was my intention for it to be the non-diet Weight Watchers or Slimming World meetings that people are having on a weekly basis. That's amazing because people are searching for a community yeah. and having that kind of Weight Watchers brings yeah. people. To, I never thought of that. I mean, brilliant. Yeah. You know, they still use words like. At least I know for Slimming World, they Sin. call Sin. Yeah, and with, with a Y. They've Sin's changed, haven't y. they? Changed, they've changed Weight Watchers to WW now? WW, yeah, which makes, I, it reminds me of the WI for some reason, but anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think of the WI anyway, because in my mind, it's all in a community hall and it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you go in like people's houses, it's really oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've done so many different ones now that I've been to so many weird women's houses to like speak to them about my struggles with my weight. And um, you've thinned again. Yeah. You've, <laughs> I never did. I never did. I never did. Well. <laughs> yeah. I only wanted a biscuit. Yeah. Imagine. Oh, yeah. I can't have that. No, it was awful. So awful. Um, I wanted a space where I could feel like I could talk openly and honestly with other women, like a women's circle, like a sharing circle that I'd experienced. And so it just kind of came from there. I wanted to give a platform to all the amazing campaigners and activists and people that I was following and just bring people in a room to see them. So. For me, it was always a promotional tool. Now it's changed because it's kind of more of a content platform and I like expressing my voice on there a bit more. Before I was just sharing a lot of other people's words and photos and now it's much more about creating my own yeah. photos and you know writing and trying to um, put my voice out there a little bit, which is really scary at first. And especially when the platform starts to grow, you 
I, me personally at least, I'm a people pleaser. I'm very, you know, we live in cancellation culture and I'm quite fearful sometimes of, of um, expressing myself. Mm-hmm. So it, the platform has kind of changed basically. And I try to, I guess I try to be conscious and mindful of what I'm posting and the effect that it will have on other people. So, um, and, and in reverse terms, be really conscious and mindful of when I'm consuming other people's content because mm. I think if you do it mindlessly, that's where Instagram and social media can become quite damaging. I think if you're conscious and you're aware of the way that brands use it, the way that you know influencers will sell you things through it and the way that advertising and media works, and if you're being aware of that while you're consuming, um, then, you know, and you are an active user I find if you're just scrolling and just consuming and you're not expressing I find the more I consume the more I like get lost in it do you get trolls haters dickheads on the internet how do you deal with them yes there's always going to be people that don't agree with the fact that people shouldn't be dieting like there's always a limit a lot of the time so they think yeah yeah no we want people to be happy but they can't be fat so um you know there i still think people should always be trying to lose a little bit of weight because fat is bad fat is not healthy um thin is healthy and blah blah blah. so there will always be people commenting do you know who could you pinpoint the main perpetrator of that young boys in their teens they're just they're 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 regurgitating what society has te- taught them, um, and they feel very strongly about it. Because I think when you're younger, you feel very strongly about everything that you think you have no experience yes. to see people, you know, struggle with eating disorders and you know diet, losing weight and gaining weight, and or having tried it yourself, your body hasn't changed in that way dramatically. And if you yet. don't want to fuck them, then they don't deserve oh to my God, live. Yeah. And basically, it's just, I mean, well. I was yeah. phobic to a massive degree when I was a teenager and like everyone else I, yeah. well, that I that I knew, it was just, you know, fat was something to laugh at and to make fun of and to be disgusted by. So... I mean, that is so ingrained, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and, and the stereotypes that come with being a, a fat person, which is just totally not true. Fat people are, you know, successful and happy and not just the funny ones and are active and, you know, beautiful and love life. They can be romantic and, and can be the... You can fall in uh, love. love and, and yeah, it's like, exactly. what? Like, yeah. So, who, yeah. so what, when, when you do get a negative comment, mm-hmm. what, what do you... How do you cope with that? So I think I have two strategies which is if I feel like they will want to engage with me and I just use my gut instinct then I can respond and um try and give my answer to what they say if they're asking a question I don't get a lot but um if if I feel like they're just trolling they're not gonna change my mind I just delete the comments because I'm just not here for it like you don't need to waste your energy on that no and I like to respond to people who who are on the page who are um not going to be just belligerent about it. I, I like to give them my energy and my time. Absolutely. I really don't want to be spending those of my time on Instagram responding to like trolls. I think most people come, most people ask you in your me- direct messages. And then again, it's like, you know, I answer the ones that I feel like I have the space and the energy and the like, you know, willpower to do so or the will to do so. And then, um, and I just delete the rest. Mm. And I think um, maybe perhaps because I don't focus the page on me um I don't put a lot of pictures of me and my body compared to a lot of other body justice activists I don't get as many so I think that when people know it's a person they really want to attack them Mm. I think that's the psychology behind it and I 
Do you do that strategically or is it just so happened? That no, that's I what's... think because it was never about me. It was never my page. It was a community page. It was for the mm. brand. It was for the events. And, the, and it was always about amplifying the voices of, you know, other people yeah. or showcasing or highlighting their work or their bodies and trying to represent diverse bodies. It wasn't just like, here's my body because I'm not that fat and I'm not, you know, I don't represent all the spectrum of marginalized bodies. And um, I like to do it sometimes and I, you know, it's part of the, the movement, it, part of my little movement that I'm making is definitely my journey, but it's mm. not the soul. It's not the entire. And I guess yeah. the backlash means that you're doing the right thing in a sense. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a, a, you're a riot club, if you had nothing to riot yeah. against, yes, you know, yes, yeah, the everyone world, was in agreement. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. like, you know, the, of, course, the riot? Yeah. of course we need, you know, it is just validation in the sense of there is a fucking reason. We, yeah, you know, sometimes exactly. if you live in a bubble of For your sure. liberal feminist um, mates that you forget that, no, you know, this I is not a problem so that is that has been solved yeah. apart from... And we're nowhere near. So to to actually have that everyday reminder. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, the everyday reminder is not just for people who come into my virtual space. It's Mm. also just, you know, in every magazine and every movie and every most forms of media, there is always some sort of like little dig at fatness or like prod towards thinness being way more worthy and, and also of diets and flawlessness stuff. which we were mm. talking about um you know not just the idea that you should be thin and also in order to be valued yeah. but that you should be every facet of yourself must be perfect yeah, yeah. without stretch marks without mm. scars yeah. without moles without you so know perfectly symmetrical it's like mm. it's, there's so many pressures so yeah. much pressure yeah it's like and also the way that it's changed i think like the beauty ideal that we might have grown up with during the 90s, which was very thin, um, very straight hair and, you know, um, big boobs, but, you know, pretty much nothing elsewhere. And now it's very much curves in the quote unquote right places yeah. and big bum and, you know, um, flat stomach still. You? I've I've seen sort of some dialogues on Instagram where essentially curvy but quite slim girls yeah. sort of may, might take a photo of themselves with like basically skin that yeah. they say is fat rolls. Yeah. And then I've heard other women comment and be like, you're not mm. actually living a life as a fat woman. So please yeah. don't jump on a movement mm. that, are you, how does that make you feel? Or so, what, how do you interpret yeah, that? I feel, I feel like body positivity has been co-opted by, a, you know, a much more mainstream audience and, you know, all the brands that are kind of jumping on the movement. But originally it is a, it's a political movement that's about, you know, creating spaces for fat people, um, for fat and especially, you know, other marginalized bodies like disabled or bodies of color. And I think that it's now been quite diluted, quite whitewashed, and it now just means self-love. As a society, we oppress people who live in larger bodies and they deserve a space to express themselves and to be beautiful and to own their own voice and to own their narrative and not feel pressured to diet and to change their bodies that they can live positively as they are right now. And now it's obviously being kind of co-opted and and changed. But I think that I respect, or at least I feel like people of all shapes and sizes should have a space to talk about their body image struggles and to express the fact that they do feel insecure and that they have 
a lot of issues with maybe their body and they still too live in a diet culture and that affects them but that it's just that they seem to take up a lot of the space sure so yeah. they seem to have overtaken the voices and is drowning out the voices of people who ha have much more marginalized and difficult experiences living in a fat phobic culture because they are actually fat and the ones who like started yeah that movement yeah how do you feel about the brands that push kind of like a hashtag body positivity yeah. sort of i mean they um, brands just do that with everything so anything that's going to be trendy they're going to do and we're never going to be able to stop them we can try and call them out and try and ask people not to use body positivity and try and call it for what it is which is self-love or body confidence um rather than you know taking over that that specific phrase but also i really think it's a good thing if more people hear about or if if one person's mind is changed about whether they're going to go on that diet or skip that meal or you know try and shrink themselves in some way and if if seeing a small thick or small fat or you know seeing a person who doesn't really have a fat body or isn't really that marginalized but they um are inspired or influenced by them to live a, a more I live a life free of that kind of bullshit, then yeah, I think that is a good thing. Absolutely. I can't say uh, what's happening, where, and you know, if that change is actually being affected, but I think it is because mm. more and more people find my page and more people message me and say that, you know, they're like from finding all of these different things, they are changing the way they see their bodies and other people's bodies. And it's really hard to pinpoint and say that this is definitely right or definitely wrong. I just, I feel like I'm gonna try and keep talking about the, pol the political side of it and not just like the beauty side of it or the brand side of it and try and amplify the voices of people who are saying much more radical stuff than I am at least, so. I love that. Could you tell us about the anti-diet riot bus that you're oh, yeah. for? So that is launching next Tuesday and we're trying to raise 15,700 pounds, which is a lot of money, but it's gonna go towards building this little feminist riot bus. So it's gonna be a mobile workshop and event space that's gonna travel around the UK, hosting all of our weird and wonderful workshops, talks, plus size clothing swaps, book swaps, micro performances. We do things like boob printing and life drawing and nipple casting and belly love meditation and gratitude journaling and all sorts of things that kind of circle around the ideas about body acceptance. And the plan is to take it to around 10 cities and loads of festivals and sort of colleges and community hubs and try and get more people engaging with our content so that's yeah so that's beautiful <laughs> yeah we will thank be engaging so much thank, thank you, you guys for having me yes. <laughs> oh. thanks for listening to this episode of harness it would really help us if you could like review share subscribe follow all that magical stuff you know what to do one more thing we are proud friends of rafiki mwema and the carly ryan foundation both charities work tirelessly to help protect young people from harm and suffering. Support us by following the work of these amazing charities and, of course, each of the incredible guests we've had on the show. We'll include links in the show notes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>